Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Nikki Clark. Nikki is founder and host of the Nikki Clark Show. And I'm really excited to chat with Nikki um, about all things leadership, about her show. And uh, welcome to the podcast, Nikki. Thank you so much, Jono. It's really a pleasure and an honor. Thank you for this opportunity. 
Yeah, I'm really excited about our conversation. First of all, can you tell our listeners a bit about you, uh, who you are and what you do? Absolutely. I'd be delighted to share a little bit about my journey. And um, I have to say that uh, it's been, you know, a, a journey of, of valleys and uh, the mountaintop, you know, just really uh, enjoying the process. Um, every moment has been what I call a blessing. It's a blessing and a lesson. <laughs> and my journey started in uh, Jamaica, where I was born. And uh, at the age of three, my parents made the move to Montreal, Quebec in Canada, uh, where they were invited as uh, West Indians to come and start a new life. Um, and the port of entry for West Indian immigration was Montreal, Quebec. So that's where they ended up settling. And as a preschooler, uh, we ended up living in a all-white, all-French-Canadian neighborhood. So we were the wow. only uh, Black, English, Caribbean family. Uh -huh. And Jono, I'm not sure if you can imagine uh, the adjustments we made. Um, yeah. We had to acclimatize not only to, um, you know, colder weather, when we arrived it was like the dead of winter so it was my first experience with snow all around me i was kind of dumbfounded uh you know seeing all this the snowflakes everywhere but later on it became one where i had to adjust to learning a different language at uh, a young age learning french and then having to adapt to a new culture and also having to deal with um confrontational racism so these were uh, very, you know, interesting yet um, formulative experiences for me where I had to learn to be adaptable, flexible, and also to be very strong at, at, at a very young age um, dealing with these experiences. And I really have to um, give, you know, a big, I guess, um, appreciation for my parents who uh, they they showed me how to you know just forge through all that I was experiencing in the very uh, early years and and to not um, have me uh, break you know so to speak by all these you know um, kind of negative experiences around me so they they taught me to um, to appreciate who I was. Uh, they, there was a lot of affirmation about uh, being a smart and you know beautiful little girl and that whatever came my way, I'd be able to handle it. And they also um, showed me that in, you know, to have a spirit of excellence, I would be able to mm -hmm. um, push my way through any type of circumstance and to be respected once I, you know, reach that achievement. So w with these early lessons, that's what uh, I learned and I, I use them to, as, as my weapons, so to speak, to fight back. Uh, success was my revenge. So I worked very hard in school. I excelled in school. I had no choice. My mother was a school teacher <laughs> and I just did very well. And that was the way for me to get my, um, I guess, street creds or my respect uh, by being the best in the classroom. Um, you know, being that I was the only black girl in, in most circumstances, mm. um, that's what I did to overcome. And then later on, um, I, you know, we moved out into a neighborhood that was a little bit more diverse and I had different types of uh, neighbors and different types of friendships, which, uh, which I really loved. I, I love my, um, I loved, growing up in Montreal for the diversity later on in the years. And uh, that was a really great experience. <clears throat> and then around um, in the, by the time I was in university, I had met my ex-husband and uh, yeah, then it became a whirlwind romance and we, <laughs> we fell in love. I got married and we moved to Ontario. Um, which is the province beside Quebec, and started a family. And uh, I was studying when I met him, film and communications, 
because I was determined to become uh, Canada's Oprah Winfrey. In fact, that year was the year um, 1987 when I was in uh, university at yeah. McGill. That was the year that I had first glimpsed um, Oprah on TV oh, and wow. the way she had, um, she had, you know, demonstrated so much wisdom and her grace and her beauty. I said, mm. yes, I can identify with this amazing woman and, and this is what I want to be. I just knew I, I connected with her right away. Uh, so that was my dream. And I, I went through the, the process of getting my, um, my uh, programs done at uh, the university. And after I was done, I met my ex-husband and yeah, then, then the chapter changed. I ended up, uh, you know, staying at home and, and raising three beautiful children. And then my marriage ended <laughs> when my, my last son um, was about 15 months old. Uh, and oh, I wow. ended up uh, walking away from the marriage and, um, yeah, taking another pivot in my life mm. and uh, made a decision that I was going to make it um, no matter what. Uh, being an independent woman and raising my three children the best way that I knew how. Wow. Uh, so I, I was very fortunate to connect with some, what I call destiny helpers. You know, they, they were there <laughs> for me and they came at a really um, opportune uh, time to offer me a position because of my education, my degree. I got a, a job teaching part-time in a college. So I was able to, you know, support my family and also to, you know, create a network of people who were educators. And um, I was actually um, a faculty member in the, uh, at, at uh, a college in Ontario uh, for early childhood education. So I was actually teaching teachers, you know, uh, teachers <laughs> who would go out and, uh, and um, provide uh, a wonderful foundation for for children zero to six. So that wow. was my career, that was my passion, and that's what I did. I worked and I took care of my children, but I didn't really have anything, uh, any other outlet. You know, it mm. was just uh, that kind of routine. And then around 2008, um, something happened. Um, I was, you know, doing, I was, I, I love to volunteer, actually, that was something that what my parents instilled in me at a very early age was to, you know, service before self is what I heard mm. growing up. Mm -hmm. And uh, they voluntold me to uh, do, uh, do certain things in church, or, um, you know, in, in other community events, always to lend a helping hand. So with that kind of um, early kind of, you know, in, in um, you know, putting those values in you at a very early age, uh, it stuck with me. And uh, while I was teaching, I, I was doing things in the community to help support other educators. Um, I was also involved in other community events uh, for the Black community in in Ontario, and uh, it it was it was something that was fulfilling. And someone heard about what I was doing, and they invited me to come on their online. Uh, radio show to talk about some of the supports that I had provided for the community. And I mm. said, yeah, sure. That sounds like a great idea. I really appreciate it. And when I had um, interviewed with the person, the, the station owner actually heard the delivery and uh, called me after the interview and said, you know what, I think you'd be a dynamic host. Would you like to have your own <laughs> show? <laughs> and I thought, wow, um, what do I say? Yes. You know, without any hesitation, not really wow. knowing what exactly I was doing, but I just knew that I had to take that leap of faith and that door was open for a reason. And then um, I heard a whisper that uh, what I was doing was good and it was rewarding, but it wasn't really the plan. And the whisper reminded me what the plan was and what my my first passion was, and that was to be a host and to be you know, calling people from all walks of life to come and share their heart yeah. stories, very similar, uh, you know, following the model of, of Oprah. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, fast forward, I took that opportunity and started an online show in 2008 called And the Beat Goes On. I invited most 
particularly musicians to come on and perform live. And yeah. one of my first guests was, his name was Abel back then, but I think internationally people would know him as The Weeknd. He came on the show. <laughs> really? And, uh, he showed his chops and everyone was blown away by his ability to freestyle. You can give him a topic and he can uh, write the melody how you can come up with the lyrics and just blow everyone's wow. mind. So he was, you know, he was just a force to reckon with. And, and that's why he is uh, such a, an incredible talent. And, and it just grew. I had people from um, death row records, <laughs> you know, Tupac's people <laughs> heard about me. I was like this underground kind of, you know, online personality helping to support artists and uh, they, reached out to me and, and asked me if their artists could come on the show. And I said, well, absolutely. I was just so honored to be connected with, you know, the, the type of stellar, um, yeah. you know, talent that had come out of that. So it just grew. And after about three years uh, and, and the reach, the, the influence that it had, I mean, people were contacting me from Asia, uh, from the United States, from different places in the Caribbean. I said, okay, well, this, can be something I can do full time. I, I feel confident now <laughs> wow. that this is something that I want to do. And I, I gave up my safe, my secure position, <laughs> my corporate job. And I, I'm pretty sure people thought I was crazy because of, you know, going from that to going into something without a safety net. But I, I just knew that I had to try. Mm. And, and that's what I did. And, and Jono, it, it was quite a journey. I made mistakes. Uh, and then I made some incredible, um, you know, in, incredible achievements, not knowing that I could do it, only knowing that I, I didn't have the fear to stop me from trying. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I met some wonderful people who supported me. And then I, I met some people who, you know, didn't have the best intentions, but I learned from that situation too. Yeah. And I, I got better uh, throughout the years. So... Um, the, the name of the show changed to the Nikki Clark show because someone told me to not hide behind the name yeah. and to, you know, um, put myself out there, make myself vulnerable. If I'm going to ask people to come on the show and, and to ask them to, you know, remove their masks, so to mm -hmm. speak, and to show mm -hmm. their authentic selves, then I had to do the same. So I had a lot of growing to do in those years as I still continue to grow. Uh, and uh, well, what it did, it attracted a tribe. The vibe attracted a tribe of people who just loved the platform. Uh, they felt safe, they weren't being judged, and mm. that was their time to shine uh, in the 15 minutes of unpacking some really hard stuff, some of them. I mean, I had people who were rape survivors, uh, some people who had mm. gone through some incredible uh, tragedy, uh, survivors of some terminal, uh, not terminal because they were still there, but like cancer, yeah. um, like some really hard stuff, but they had the courage to share it. And, and it was like a cathartic release because as they released the story, not only did they, they heal, but the people who were listening felt, mm. you know what, I'm not alone. So with that single experience, they felt that they were in a community that could help them and they were being healed in that process. So this is what has happened, Jono, that that leap of faith that I took in 2008 has grown into a community now in, in 2022. And I'm, I'm glad I listened to that, what I call a divine whisper because <laughs> uh, 15 awards later for the show and, wow. <laughs> um, and, and the reach of people that I've made from online to now uh, not only doing online, but now I'm on five cable channels across Canada. And I also have a radio show out of the United States. I really truly feel that, um, you know, God's hand is on this and um, I'm able to do what I wanna do in, in terms of helping people and people helping themselves. Well, you're clearly doing what you're meant to be doing. Um, and I love, I love stories for that reason. And your story is yet another story uh, for me, I don't know if it's the same for you when you're chatting with your guests, but uh, one thing that really stands out for me is how every story just about is is not linear. You know, everyone has this yeah. sense of passion 
And then when you tell it, though, it's really, it's all clear in hindsight, but it's very much pivot here, pivot there. Wow, I didn't think I was going to be doing that. This opportunity came and then you end up doing what you're doing. And um, that's definitely true of your story. Yes. Yes. Uh, Pivot is a very operative word and uh, patience and perseverance. Yeah. There were times where I, I... I'd say to myself, like, why did I sign up for this? Because it was challenging. Mm. And the challenge was, you know, maybe dealing with some opposition uh, or dealing with funding because in order to branch out, in order to extend, you have to have some, um, you know, the, the financial stability. Yeah. And uh, it, it, I had to teach myself and I had to ask for help, which in the early years, it was difficult for me to do. So I had to really humble Mm. myself and to say, you know, I can't do it alone. And, and, um, reaching out for team members that, um, could, could get us to the destination we wanted to be. So I don't, Mm. I don't have a huge team, Janu. Um, I like to keep my team small, but I know that they're rock solid. Uh, they're reliable. We have, we share a common goal. We share the mm. same vision. And I know that I'm supported and I don't have to worry, you know, about what's happening when I'm not around. And and that's very important to me. You know, it's, it's always quality over quantity when it comes to working with a uh, team. I mean, it, yeah. it, it can grow and I'm sure it will, but for now I'm happy with uh, a smaller team and uh, we're able to pursue the same vision and really um honing on this the spirit of of excellence in terms of our video production and and how we want to really um affect positive change in the community yeah fantastic i love i love your mission and and i i love your approach to the team and i love chatting with entrepreneurs and i which you definitely are and i love chatting with leaders which which you are and like you said it's funny, I, I tend to think that leading a large organization, leading a mid-size organization and leading a small team actually have a lot in common. There are differences, but one mm-hmm. the key thing, um, and and this is the first thing I do with any leader of a large organization, is work with them on their, on their team, on their executive team. And it's funny how mm-hmm. some of the things you just mentioned are the keys that, um, you know, if leaders want to reshape an organization with 2,000 people, they probably you know, the, the, the dot points you just mentioned about your team is probably a good place to start because it's those, it's that inner circle. It's that first, that first group of people. And you hit the nail on the head when you said, I want to be able to go away and not worry about, you know, just know that these people have my back. I've got their back. We're in Mm -hmm. this together. We're chasing after a a mission. We're on the same page. We have a spirit of excellence. Yes. Um, So I actually think they're great. It might be a small team, but you're, you just you just uh, unpacked some great leadership principles for for any leader, uh, no matter the size of the team they're leading. Yes, we're small, but we're mighty. <laughs> I want to ask you about your childhood, and I can't think of like so many variables. You went through um, changing country, changing language, and going from uh, and then being the only mm-hmm. English speaking, and then the issue of 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 race. Um, and uh-huh. as you mentioned, you know, it's, it's just, um, horrible and heartbreaking to hear, um, the, the race, you know, about you experiencing racism in, in that environment. Um, which, which mm-hmm. to be honest, I don't, um, I, I, I try to understand, but I particularly hearing about all those things, I can't even comprehend what that was like for a young person to move. And I think your parents sound like incredible people. What? What did you, firstly, I, I was thinking when you were describing that, what was most challenging when you look back and you had all of that going on, what did you find most challenging as, as a young person with all of those, with all of those different changes in your life? I, I think, uh, what I was challenged was, was, um, understanding the root of racism. And I think if I can give an illustration, it will kind of show where my thinking was and where Mm. I'm still kind of struggling to understand where does it come from and and why 
Yeah. Does it still persist in our societies? But I remember this one time where um, on Saturdays, it was very typical for my parents to take me uh, grocery shopping. So when we had finished our shopping run, my father parked the car right outside of our triplex. We had, uh, we were on the, the, uh, the top level of a triplex in Montreal. And as I was coming out of my father's green Pinto, um, out of nowhere, and I was four years old, um, this little girl, and she couldn't have been more than maybe, I would say eight. She was just maybe a few inches taller than me, started to, started to hit me, started to punch. Um, and, and was calling me the N word. Oh. And my father, you know, quickly ran up to her and she, she fled. Uh, and my mother picked me up and mm. she was very visibly upset, but I wasn't feeling any of her blows. I was more in shock than anything. <laughs> yeah. And I was more concerned about my parents' reactions. My father was very, uh, he was furious. Mm. And the little girl ended up being the, the niece of our landlord. She had come to visit. And the landlord was mortified because she loved us, you know. Yeah. And she was so, so, so embarrassed. And she was so apologetic but she had to deal with the fact that that that's that's her family and that's yeah. what the family had raised their children to understand you know what whatever limitation they understood of black people it wasn't good no so she had to reflect on on whatever that was you know through our experience she was very good to us but i i can't imagine the conversation they had that day at their dinner table but it, it was one where um, when I was in the apartment with my mother who was sobbing um, and trying to console me, <laughs> I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't crying. I was just kind of dumbfounded. My father came after speaking to the landlord and the little girl. And that was the first time I saw my father uh, visibly upset. Yeah, I saw a tear yeah. come down his eye and he's a very stoic man. Yes. And... I said to him, you know, are you okay, daddy? Because I was, <laughs> like I said, very concerned about the way they were handling it. You know, the innocence of a child. They're not, you know, they, they they're, see things in a different lens. All I could ask him was, why did the girl hate me? I don't understand. Mm. What did I do? Mm. You know, because all I'm hearing from my parents is that I'm their sunshine and I'm beautiful and I'm smart. Yeah. And I'm getting the affirmation that a child should, but... I'm, I, there's a very different reflection from someone who doesn't even know me, hmm. uh, physically striking me and calling me very bad names. So that's when my father had to, you know, very emotionally explain to me that these good things, um, of, of who I was, the talent, the, the, the intelligence, the beauty that was always going to be with me that will never change, but there will be people along my journey that will not feel the same way, but it doesn't change who I am. And that's when he told me, uh, you have to work harder. You have to be very strong and you have to excel. You have no choice. And, and I just kind of accepted that fate. And I said, Okay, well, if that's what it is, then that's what I'm going to do. And, and that's what I've proceeded to do uh, throughout my life. Mm. But what, what I did too, was I internalized this desire that at any point that I could find someone like her, or someone on the verge of, of turning to be like her, to sit down with them and to teach them and mm. to show them what, what is real, what they've, what the myth is and, and uh, what the reality is and, and to approach them with understanding and love, which is not the easiest thing to do, no. but it's something that I, I feel that 
is, is one of the qualities that I have that I can impart wisdom and help someone and show them love through just being, you know, uh, patient and uh, not getting to their level of, uh, you know, anger or ignorance, but just being that teacher. So it, it, it was later on, um, you know, with the show, there were opportunities for uh, me to do more in the Black community and also uh, with mm -hmm. other communities who were interested in knowing more about, you know, anti-Black racism. And uh, I became involved in um, what is known as the Ontario Black History Society, mm -hmm. uh, which is a, a nonprofit organization that helps to uh, preserve, promote, and protect Black Canadian history. Hmm. And uh, it's it's funded, you know, through private funders, but also through, um, you know, the three levels of government. And I volunteered with them for many years. And then I was so honored to be elected as the president in 2015. <laughs> uh, so that gave me a really um, amazing opportunity to uh, meet the different leaders in the different levels of government and also to spread awareness of black history as mm. well as helping to dispel myths and helping people to uh un identify you know my uh, racial microaggressions as well as you know just chipping away at mm. anti-black racism and what that looks like and what they can do as leaders in their own organizations or in their own families uh to combat what that is so uh everything led to where I am now, all the dots connected um, <laughs> from that that uh, moment in the parking lot outside my triplex um, to where I am right now, where people are calling on me uh, from school boards to corporations to you know places in government to speak yeah. about that moment in time and what people should know about Black Canadians and and Blacks around the world and their achievements and, and to celebrate them, um, especially February. February is Black History Month mm. uh, and to understand the innovation that they have lended to the world. So that is what I do. And that is the the joy that I have in, in sharing what I've learned and what I continue to learn from people. Yeah, it's incredible. Thank you for sharing that story. Um, and being so vulnerable to share that. And um, so if you were, I just really want to ask if you, if you were sitting down with a leader, you know, the listeners who are on the other side of, of this, who um, could be from anywhere in the world um, and have any experience, um, you know, they might have a lot of experience in, in similar setting to yours with, with, with dealing with racism and being, um, really being the, the victim of that or they may not have they may be uh you know sort of uh, lucky enough to be in a in a place where they haven't experienced any racism but what what advice would you give to leaders about how to fight i guess particularly anti-black racism as as a leader in 2022 um i think i think when it comes to racism particularly anti-black racism the first part of the fight is self-awareness and to honestly reflect on your own unconscious biases yeah and um how you how you um view people how you um conduct yourself around people how you you know, how you verbalize things, how you, you know, uh, all these things have to be processed internally uh, before you can look on the outside. So that would be the first thing. Yeah, and what good. I've been, what, I, what I've done in certain presentations is I've, I've helped people under, uh, to understand what racist microaggressions are. Mm. Uh, a microaggression would be um, something that is said uh, directly or something that is done directly to harm, um, harm yeah. someone's, you know, esteem or the way they, they feel or to um, hinder their movement um, in, in terms of a career or whatever they're doing. 
And it can be done in different ways by what they say, like I said, or uh, it could be a joke. Um, it, 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 they're, they're, they're different ways, but the main thing is, is to harm. So mm-hmm. once people can see where they're at, uh, that is, that is vital. Then the other part is to sit and listen. I think if, <laughs> if you are not, um, entirely knowledgeable about certain groups, particularly the black community, sit with a black person, sit with a black uh, organization, observe, listen, ask Mm -hmm. questions, you know, and then I would think the third thing is to get involved. If you're really genuine, if you're really sincere about making the changes, now you have to put it to action Mm. because you've done the internal work. You sat, you observed, you've taught, you've taught yourself, you've, you know, you've done the lessons now, put it into practice and what can you do to make uh, any kind of change, whether it, and it, and it doesn't matter it could be, it can be very um, simple, uh, like having a conversation, like going to an event, uh, showing support, or it could be something where you're actively engaged in change by, um, you know, sitting down and, and, implementing change in a policy but i i would think those are the steps to um, affecting um, great changes in terms of combating anti-black racism yeah thank you for sharing that there's great thoughts there starting with self-awareness that's uh, and then sitting down and listening is probably one of the top five tips for any leader in any setting um but i think in this in this case it's uh it's a brilliant piece of advice and uh, might seem very simple, but I think, you know, even just having this conversation with you and hearing about your experience, um, you know, outside your triplex is um, that's taught me something. That's there's something new that I will walk away from this conversation with, from hearing you tell that story. And it's been very, uh, yeah, it's been very meaningful hearing you share that. Um, I wanted you. to ask you about your parents. They just sound like incredible people. And, um, <laughs> what do you, are there any moments that you reflect on where that, that come to mind where you saw them navigate a situation, um, that has really stuck with you and taught you something about leadership, business, entrepreneurship, um, you know, excellence, uh, perseverance, anything that comes to mind? I just couldn't help but asking, cause they sound like such amazing people. Um, well, thank you. And, uh, I do appreciate, uh, being able to share a little bit about my family. Um, my parents are, uh, incredible people. They're retired now, but my mom was, um, a teacher, uh, her whole life, um, from teaching school age all the way up to university. She taught at McGill university and my father was a businessman. So yes, um, I've, I've followed my parents' model in terms of how they conducted themselves in community endeavors. And they, they showed me excellence in the type of quality work that they provided. Uh, my father particularly uh, was one of the founders of the Black Business Professional Association. I uh, was actually co-founded in 1975. He along uh, with, uh, I think there are four other gentlemen who were of Jamaican origin, decided to uh, put this organization to help support other members who were entrepreneurs in the Black community in Montreal. Yeah. And he, yeah. I was the one that he took everywhere. <laughs> so um, I went to all kinds of seminars and I went to the events and he volunteered me to help in, in certain um, community work. And I remember, uh, Jonah, when I was 15 years old, uh, he took me to a, it was a Black History Month event. And the, the amazing um, Jesse Jackson, Reverend Jesse Jackson, who walked yeah. alongside uh, Martin Luther King as a civil rights activist, he was there to speak to us about his journey. And what he said stayed with me for the rest of my life. Um, he said that there is nothing more powerful than a mind made up. 
And that's exactly what I have done my whole life. Like no matter <laughs> what has come my way. And, and I've had a lot of, like I said, moments in the valley. And then I've gone up to the mountaintop. Certainly not a linear experience. But each <laughs> one I've accepted and I've learned from. And I, I appreciate uh, what happened because it's made me the woman that I am. But I never gave up. And that's the lesson <laughs> for every entrepreneur. Uh, anyone who wants to succeed in business, don't give up because the moment you give up, that's when your breakthrough is around the corner. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah I love that. Right. Or um, I think uh, uh, a pastor, Bishop T.D. Jakes, um, puts it as, I think I heard him say it, you know, that it, it's always darkest before the dawn. Um might be Winston Churchill. Exactly. Anyway, some comes from somewhere, someone good. I think I heard Bishop T.D. Jakes say <laughs> that anyway, <laughs> and I do love uh, love him. So, um, well, that's that's been so enriching. I, I think it would be great down the track to uh, to invite you back for another um, episode just because, Nikki, I, I feel like um, I couldn't help but ask you about some of these things because your story is just so – uh, such an incredible story, but also I, there's so much I could ask you about growing your show and what you've learned about communication that I know leaders out there would be leaning in uh, desperate to hear about. So maybe down the track, we can uh, potentially do another episode um, at some oh, point. Oh, i so honored. Interested. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, because yes, this, this has been great, um, but I'm leaving so much on the table <laughs> because I have 20 questions <laughs> I could ask, but that's that's life. Uh, so let me jump into Leadership Express and just ask you a few questions as we as we land today. Are you ready? Absolutely. Okay. So firstly, what's a book that you've gifted a lot to other people? It's the book that I've written called Transforming Lives One Story at a Time. And it's a compilation of stories of success and inspiration. That's a cracker of a title that's just beautiful i love it transforming lives one story at a time is that right yes that's right and that's yeah. that's actually the tagline for my show uh so the book uh was kind of a beautiful um expansion of that and it's uh the book is in a collection of 30 co-authors who have um have shown their metamorphosis from caterpillar to trans to to butterfly and what that looked like in in that uh, in the book, so it uh, it's it's a bestseller, and I'm really happy to gift that to anyone. I'd, I'd be happy to send you the um, the ebook, Jonu, if you'd like yeah. that. I'd be happy yeah, to send you. that to you. Yeah. Yes, please. I'd love that. And um, I think listeners would be grateful listeners to get their hands on that. There's nothing more powerful than, than a story, uh, which is really what you do. And, and I love that. Uh, any great podcasts you're listening to and, you know, it'd be good for you to mention again, your show and where people can tune in potentially from inside, but also outside of Canada. Um, uh, but also any other podcasts or, or anything else that you're reading, watching or listening to at the moment and really enjoying? Um, well, I love leadership conversations with John White. Fantastic <laughs> podcast. That's and right. uh, I you. have to say <laughs> uh, that I've been really uh, interested in my Christian walk and, and understanding um, different spiritual gifting that uh, is yeah. endowed upon all of us. Um, I really uh, interested in knowing what that is. So I've been paying attention to um, a, uh, a YouTube channel called Maddie Nottage Ministries and, and learning about uh, what she calls um, training for reigning and, and how to conduct yourself in the kingdom. Uh, so that's something that I'm really interested in. Uh, yeah, so wow. I, I find myself on that quite a bit. Um, and then I also like to um, go to John Maxwell and yes. learn more about uh, change and disruptive change in mm. terms of your approach, you know, personal life and professional life. Uh, I was really so fortunate to meet him and he's, he's a really down to earth, pragmatic <laughs> man and uh, very open about, you know, sharing his journey of disruptive change. And I, and I really like his approach of servant leadership. Because yes. um, I believe, you know, if people want to lead, the best way to do it is to, 
to get right in there and and to show um, how you can do it by just engaging and and that's the way you're going to earn respect and you're going to earn the love of your team by getting involved you know and just staying humble so that's something that i learned and something that i i continue to do with the people that come in my path in terms of team members yeah there, there are a couple of uh, wonderful recommendations what's a recent leadership lesson that you've learned for the first time or been reminded of don't take yourself too seriously <laughs> yeah, don't take yourself too seriously you know whenever whenever you're uh feeling you know the ego um overtaking anything then uh, you have to switch back to humility uh, because the ego can be very dangerous once that consumes you you know and i've seen yeah. it overtake people and uh, it's really been the demise of their career. Mm -hmm. uh, so when I find myself being offended or insulted uh, by, you know, people and things that really should not affect me so much, I realize that it's it's this ego and I have to silence it and just go back to uh, my faith and mm -hmm. reconnect with the source so that I can remain a humble servant leader. Wonderful. What's a great piece of advice you've received? And you've already mentioned that amazing advice uh, around, uh, you know, that was, let's see if I get it right. Uh, there's nothing more powerful than a mind made up. That's one great piece of advice. Any Another great piece of advice you've heard either in a setting like that where it was a, a, someone from the platform or in a one-on-one -on -one setting? Well, this is something that I've learned and I share with youth uh, that I engage with, you know, when, when um, they invite me to speak and, and mentor to them, I always tell them, if you can see it, you can achieve it. Once you have a vision, then it's just for you to find a way to having that vision manifest. So you get the destiny helpers to get you there, or you do the research and do the work to make it happen. But it first starts with a vision. First starts with a vision. That's great. Uh, what about a movie or TV show that really impacted you? A movie that really impacted me. Hmm. There's a few. I'm a movie buff. I'm always watching movies. Um, but I think the one that impacted me the most, which was a TV movie, was Roots, um, the Arthur Haley hmm. um, autobiography, which was uh, was many. I'm really dating myself. Um, that was on, <laughs> I think, in the late '70s, but yeah. or maybe early '80s. But it was something that helped me in terms of um, understanding who I was and and to uh, watch the experience, the evolution of um, a black family uh, in, hmm. in in the United States. Uh, overcome the transatlantic slave trade, uh, being, you know, kidnapped from Africa, brought to the United States, and how the family uh, overcame so much uh, to where Arthur Haley is and his family, um, the, the legacy of, of his books and uh, the wealth of wisdom he's been able to share because of his own journey. Uh, that was something that I really enjoyed, and I guess that's probably... I guess it would it would maybe um, attribute to my love of, of literacy as well because once mm -hmm. you see the movie, for me, I was like, I always want to read the book to see if it's you know <laughs> uh, close to what the book was saying, and and sometimes and more often than not, the book is even more in depth. It's richer, so I was I was glad yeah. to read the book having seen the movie, um, and then I like I like I like a lot of. World War Two movies. Mm -hmm. I, I I have no idea why I'm so compelled to watch uh, World War Two movies, um, particularly where it comes to the Holocaust, yes. and uh, to you know I have so much compassion, um, and it's it's just something that draws me when those movies come out. Um, yeah, I'm a I'm a big bio 
biopic fan. So anything that is uh, related to real life as adapted, like a true story adaptation movie, I'm going to be watching it. So, yeah. Yeah, that's um, I, I agree. Have you? Um, it, it's a bit different, but I think it's World War Two. It depicts. Have you seen the series Band of Brothers? I have. Yeah, I that's have. that's one yeah. of my favorites of all time. I mentioned that. Um, just, but yeah, I like you. I very, I, very good, very good. Yeah, just the, and I think as well, just the team, and you don't get a, a much. Um, you don't get much higher stakes than than uh, than you know that sort of environment where you need to have each other's back and mm-hmm. um, trust each other and absolutely. And then... I actually saw something called the Edge of Munich, um, which was on. Uh, I'm not sure if I can mention Netflix, but I did. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, and a very good movie as well. So okay. yeah, well, uh, so I that's what that I do, one. and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and I, um, I listen to a lot of music. Um, yeah, I'm a singer and a songwriter, and so that's okay. what I do in my favorite spare artist. You've got to give just right now any artist that you're really loving. Uh, favorite artist, I would say I like the old school R&B artists. So I would say Al Green, Aretha yep. Franklin. Um. I like jazz singers like Ella Fitzgerald, and I like uh, people like The Dream. I love The Weeknd. I love yeah. Drake. Um, I love Bob Marley. You know, so I have a quite an, an eclectic kind of interest in music. I love gospel. I also like country. I grew up on Johnny Cash. Oh, did you um, really? Celine Dion. It's it's quite amazing. I, yeah, <laughs> that's a fantastic group <laughs> my, of artists my... you mentioned. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> quite a, a playlist, but that is um, a playlist yeah, and a half. That would be a great. I listen playlist. to a lot of lo-fi now. I I was introduced to lo-fi, like just instrumental music to to listen to to study. Uh, so I found something that uh, I like on on YouTube. So I, I listen to that quite extensively to get my groove on. Uh, and to stay focused when I'm writing or when I'm reading something, yeah. So that was a great playlist, <laughs> um, some wonderful artists, and uh, you couldn't go wrong, actually. If I, I think if you put that on at a party, Nikki, that would be a pretty amazing group of uh, group of artists <laughs> to have you. on in one playlist. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, thank you for sharing that. I couldn't help but asking when I found out you're a, uh, a musician <laughs> and um I do yeah, love the weekend. On the that was floor, great. Finding sure. out about how uh, <laughs> he was on your show in in the early days that was a real highlight because I love his his music. Um, so just to wrap up, where can people find you? I know we've mentioned a couple of things, but just for those who are really itching to let you know that something really spoke to them today, or or they want to uh, to read your book and listen, can you just let us know again how people can find you online? Um, absolutely, and and thank you again for this wonderful conversation on leadership i really do appreciate it uh, they can go to my website and they can find everything there uh, nikki clark network.com uh, so they can find all the interviews from uh, past and present and also where they can shop uh, they can buy the book there as well as some other items that they may be interested in uh, i do have souvenir uh, Nikki Clark show masks if they're looking for <laughs> face masks as well. Uh, so yes, that's where they can find. Uh, or Excellent. they, I'm on Wonderful. Facebook. Nikki uh, well, Clark I, show. I just want to thank I'm our listeners Twitter. for tuning in. Today's uh, been a really Clark heartfelt 2020. I'm also uh, on conversation, Nikki and, and Nikki's been incredibly vulnerable to share, and and it's definitely uh, had a big impact on me. And I know there'll be a lot of listeners who um, are really going to be walking away from this. Um, yeah, just uh, just challenge, but in the in the best way. And uh, so, don't forget for our listeners, you can also check out my other podcast, the John O White Leadership Podcast, where I give you tips on how to build a high performance team and how to cast vision and leadership question of the day, where I give you a different question every day to put a, sh- a stone in your shoe as a leader. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to Nikki Clark for coming on, for like I said just then sharing so vulnerably. And uh, just for being willing to to use your story and share your story, uh, particularly, I'm I'm still just coming to terms with the hearing about your childhood and those going through all those changes, and I just can't say how much 
respect I have for you and your parents navigating that and becoming uh, the people that you are. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's just been a pleasure and a joy. So thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you so much. And Jono, I appreciate what you do. Uh, it's really important in uh, connecting people, uh, all, all walks of life internationally uh, to help with the conversation, the very important conversation of guiding people to uh, authentic leadership. So thank you so much for this. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders and you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I, I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and, and please do that. And look for me, John White or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. 95% uh, of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. 
and I stand by that. It's uh, you have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it, and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up "Step Up or Step Out," John O. White, or store.consultclarity.org/book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time. 